When I fell in love with radio, it was probably sitting in my dad's car. I mean, my dad never really had a car, a big Jeep, and listening to live football and the calls by Keith Jackson. You guys might remember him, depending on where you live. He did calls for the Washington State Cougars. Unbelievable radio guy and TV, by the way. Uh, And then Paul Harvey. I think we've talked about that. Even in high school, you know, trying to appear to be whatever, cool, you know, jock, tough guy, whatever. Uh, We would go out in the car and sit there in my 66 Chevelle, white 66 Chevelle, and listen to Paul Harvey uh, do his thing because he was an an artist. And his, his level of communication was so far beyond what other people did. Uh, Then came that seminal moment for me when I was driving through downtown Seattle in a radio station called 570 KVI and a guy named um, um, Rush Limbaugh came on. And I thought, you can get paid for this. You can get paid to do this. And then being exposed to some other great local hosts. And I'll never forget, <laughs> my girlfriend at the time called me and said, you have got to hear this guy named Rush Limbaugh. He's like you, but he's so much better at doing it. And when, when Tiffany said that, I was like, yep, I, I need to follow this. So my love affair with radio has been there forever. And I'll never forget the phone call accepting, yeah, we'll give you a shot. We'll give you a shot. The night before Halloween and Halloween itself, you can come in and try your talk show. My dear friend, Tom Cock, um, KSBN 1230 in Spokane, Washington, afforded me that opportunity, which was what launched the radio career, which led to the internet radio career, which led to the, led to the tech career, which led to the career in tech politics and big data. But always, always, always beat my heart for radio. So we're launching a national radio show. And you're going to get to meet one of the executives who is with the company. He's the, the chief of programming and he's the VP of ops. And he has been around. Oh, how, how much has he been around? Are you the wolf man? <laughs> no, man, I'm not the wolf man. Wait a minute. He's on tape. Yeah, he worked with Wolfman Jack. And incidentally, the Wolfman was not on tape. (laughs) It was the Wolfman. Someone else he worked with back in the days when Dave Letterman was funny. Uh, Of all of the characters involved in the Watergate scandal, there were none as fascinating as my next guest. He has served four and one half years in prison for his involvement and recounted his philosophy of life and personal story in the book entitled Will, which was also a television movie. Please welcome G. Gordon Liddy.
Thank you uh, for being on the show. In the, in the past couple of months, I've been reading things about uh, you traveling and appearing at colleges with uh, Timothy Leary. Yes, Tim and I have uh, debated, I think, eight times so far. Uh, matter of fact, we did it on Broadway here not long ago in uh, Manhattan. This is a musical? <laughs> like I said, back when Dave was funny, Rich McFadden, VP of Ops, the chief, joins us in the Todd Herman Show. Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Yeah, we're embarking on a big one, and it is thanks, number one, to God Almighty, and number two, uh, to the family that God introduced us to. I'm going to chat with Rich McFadden, Chief of Ops over at uh, Radio America, who's agreed to put us on national radio and promote the heck out of the podcast. And this is due to loyalty. And speaking of loyalty, I I am going to talk in the second hour uh, with my dear friends and brother, Zach Abraham. Zach is the chief investment officer, Bulwark Capital Management. It's Friday. And yesterday he had one of his famous free live webinars. And I'll tell you just candidly, uh, I recorded with Zach prior to this. And the things that Zach is going to talk about uh, in this in this next appearance with us, which is next hour, uh, it's breathtaking. You you want to talk about chaos economy? Well, I am laughing my tail off this week because it, and this is not me sticking out my chest. There's still a lot of room to run before the election. You know, at least yeah. in terms of what can happen in markets. But here we are. Dollar index is pulled back five and a half percent. Markets are rallying, and Todd. There's still talk about whether there's going to be a recession. As of this morning, (laughs) the three-month treasury and the 10-year treasury inverted. Okay, that means that you make more interest owning the three-month treasury than you do the 10-year treasury. Uh, The entire curve is inverted. When the three-month and the 10-year have inverted in the past, you had a recession within six months, 100% of it. And yet they're pretending it's not coming. It's a chaos economy. My question for you is, is your portfolio ready for the chaos economy? How well set up are you for risk management? Remember the first time you got a water leak in your house and you thought you were ready? Okay, if you're 5 to 10, even 15 years from retirement, you cannot afford to answer, I don't know. So call Zach Abraham and his team at Bulwark Capital Management. Talk to them about their risk management strategy. Talk to them about why the 60-40 stock bond mix does not apply anymore in this chaos economy. And have them talk with you about whether you're set up. And incidentally, if you're 50 years, 58 years of age or older and still working, you can transfer your 401k into Zach's hands at Bulwark Capital Management. And that's not a taxable event. So you don't even need to, to cash it out. Call them at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Investment advice can't be given under the client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management's an investment advisor representative. Check Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Well, that was a buildup. 
I hope he's worth it. Ladies and gentlemen, the chief of ops, Radio America joins us. Rich McFadden with Radio America. Rich, welcome. I don't know if I say welcome. I mean, you're a partner in the show, but welcome to the show in which you're a part of the Todd Herman Show. I feel like I'm at home. Thank you, Todd. <laughs> uh, I want to just express, number one to you guys, gratitude for giving me a shot uh, coming back to do national radio. Uh, I'm deeply grateful for that on your network and, and with the great legacy of your network. And I also want to just at that point also recognize this podcast family. You've you've seen kind of how loyal these folks are um, as you've looked at the numbers and, and the behaviors. So, hey, say hi to your new podcast family. Uh, no, I, I, first, I want to say I appreciate you. We're grateful to have you as part of our family uh, and grateful to bring everybody that that is part of your family in with our family, because, uh, you know, as it's really interesting because, you know, for years and years and years, we've always known the family that you can build as part of a radio audience. And, and just to see that extend through a digital audience and through podcasts where people are listening to you with with earphones on. Uh, and you're right inside their head and it just creates this bond, this engagement with, you know, a listener and you, you become really close. It's really interesting, really interesting, really cool. Every time I get a chance to meet listeners, um, I am struck by the, the connection that I feel for them. Uh, you know, yeah. it's been a long time since we started the show back in Seattle back in the day on, on good old KTTH. Uh, and then, of course, the, uh, you know, the long time filling in for the great one, Rush Limbaugh, God rest the Maha. Right. And even when I meet Limbaugh listeners, you know, who only heard me uh, on Rush's show a week at a time when Rush was really sick, but days at a time prior to that, um, there is a family uh, that extends not just beyond the podcast, not just in the podcast and radio show, uh, but conservative radio in general. And you're no stranger to this, man. You, uh, you sat around in rooms and got to hear G Gordon Liddy sit there with with G Gordon Liddy, the G Man, yeah. telling your stories when when he yeah. was on your network. Yeah, Gordon was, uh, I always tell people, Gordon was the best storyteller I've ever met in my life. And I know some great storytellers. Uh, but that guy, after his show, just, I mean, like, I grew up listening to Gordon. I didn't yeah. grow up listening to Gordon, but I was, I was, before I got in the radio, I used to listen to Gordon. And I used to sit there and, you know, the Washington Post and, ah, you know, yeah. and, ah, the Washington <laughs> Bleep, you know, the whole thing. And it, the guy is just an amazing, uh, he he can relay a story to you and make you understand it and make you care about it. And it's just so deep when somebody has that kind of ability to really relay information and to make you connect personally with them, intellectually with them. And that's one of the things I really love about you is that that when I listen to you, you are helping me understand what's going on. And not only just like technically like, okay, here are the ins and outs of what is happening, but you make me understand why I care about it. And that's one of the things that Gordon did. Like he would talk about, this is what is happening. Ah, this is what's happening. And then he would say, and this is why it's important. And so whenever I get to connect with a host listening, yeah. in addition to working with, I, you know, there's always that bond. And I, I just really appreciate that. And you guys are peas in a pod when it comes to that, because I, 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 you know, you listen to certain podcasts and you're like, okay, this is good information. This is good information. This is good information. But you listen to other podcasts and you walk away with a, a feeling of purpose. And that's something different. That's what really moves me. 
Thank you for saying that. And, and, you know, for me, of course, it all comes from God. And I'm just, uh, you know, Rush used to say talent on loan from God. And he invented that phrase and he meant it. You know, at the end of his life, he shared his testimony in Jesus. And that was phenomenal. Uh, yeah. And I know that because I remember afterwards uh, what happened. Uh, but yeah, he meant that. And so I, I, God gave me that gift. And from he a did. little kid on, man, the first time I stood on a stage, I was in, I was in fourth grade. And I did um, Abbott and Costello, uh, who's on first. You did uh, with a, no, I did. I did it with a with a girl. That's fantastic. Patty. Yeah, we did uh, Abbott Costello, who's on first, uh, fourth grade. I have pictures of me in my cheesy um, kind of not brown tan uh, camp fake camel hair sport coat and a ball cap, and <laughs> Patty was wearing something similar. Uh, we killed it. Uh, I mean, Rich, we we just murdered that thing. That is about how long is that? That's about six minutes of content yeah. right there to have to remember. Yeah. And then in sixth grade, we got to go on tour with a fake Saturday Night Live newscast we put together um, and complete with props and and an, or a, a, an opportunity That's to awesome. smash an egg on two pieces of bread and have a teacher eat it. Um, and that for a commercial awesome. for, yeah, for, for not mayonnaise, it's just an egg sandwich. It's just a simpler form of mayonnaise, a bunch of stuff we ripped off from Bill Murray and those guys. And, but Hey, you were a radio host too. I mean, you, you had the Jones for this. And when, when did you begin to Jones for it? Because people don't know, uh, Rich is not just a, you know, chief of ops and, and PD and talent coach, but, uh, man, you've manned the mic. And when did you know you Jones for that? Yeah. Let's talk about your career. You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, as you, if you're watching, you can see in the background, I have uh, a plethora of guitars. So I'm a really bad lifelong guitar player and uh, musician. So that's kind of my passion, my creative passion. And so when it became very obvious that I was never going to make any money playing guitar, I was like, you know what? Playing music on rock radio would be really fun. And I called up a guy here in local radio and he kind of took me under his wing and helped me kind of get into it. And I got a, uh, a job at one of the local radio stations. And it was really interesting because here I was 27 years old and I was just a nothing peon at a seventies radio station. And lo and behold, every Friday night on that seventies radio station in would walk Wolfman Jack. Incredible. And he would fly up from North Carolina to Washington, D.C. and into our studio. And then he would go down to, uh, what was it, Planet uh, Hollywood uh, down in D.C. And he would do his Friday night syndicated rock and roll show from there. And I'm like, wow, that, wow, look at that Wolfman Jack, you know, and I'm like, I've hit the jackpot. And I was making like seven bucks an hour, yeah, you know, baby. handing out popsicles at events or something <laughs> like that. And so that was kind of cool, but that didn't last long. And I ended up in this talk radio thing. And, and one of the things I realized is in music radio, you get fired and you have to move to like all these other little cities with a U-Haul permanently attached to your car. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this talk radio thing <laughs> seems pretty cool because yeah. then when the host moves on, you get to stay there. Right. And yeah. I'm just kind of working with it. And then I start working with Gordon Liddy and I'm like, oh, now Wolfman Jack, now to, and then Ollie North and Michael Reagan. And, and, you know, so it was just really great. And then guys like yourself and now Dana Lash and the chicks on the right and yeah. Sarah Carter and, and everybody. But, uh, I was the co-host of the morning show, Doug Steffen's good day program from yeah. 1997. Legendary show. Uh, yeah. Until about well, four or five years ago and just, 
early mornings and management of Radio America became too much of a thing. So now I'm just too busy helping guys like you be successful. Yeah, there's, you know, um, bosses are really important things, you know, and, and we're business partners, but I, I defer to you and your knowledge and, and talent coaching and I seek it. And I've, I've benefited from some of the best. I mean, you and I know Craig kitchen in, in, in common. And again, yep. for folks watching the video, oh. there's a note, uh, a beautiful note up there from Craig who's you know, dear, dear friends, thrush and his personal manager of 28 years. Yeah. And one day I got enough guts to say to him, you know, I had told him, hey, listen, if something doesn't meet your standards, let me know. And um, and I think he always channeled that through James, um, uh, both nerdly, but always super supportive coaching. Yes. And after like the first couple of shows, there was never, you know, I, I knew that format so well. And it was a match for me that, yeah, we'd tweak some things. Sure. But one day I got that opportunity to ask Craig. Um, what do you like about me as a host? And Craig said to me, you are conversational. When I listen to you, I feel like I'm in a conversation. And he said, I think that's the hardest thing to do uh, in radio. And I think about the the greats that I don't know that I agree with that assessment that I'm, I'm conversational. Other people have said that, but I think of some greats that people have never heard of. He's a liberal, wacky liberal, um, I shouldn't say that because it's not a wacky liberal. He's a liberal, uh, but like not not an Antifa liberal. I don't believe he's ever right. burned the building down, may not have murdered a federal cop. So he may not be, you know, a, a new liberal. <laughs> and I think he knows boys or girls, or, I mean, the difference between boys and girls. Ron Owens uh, from San Francisco, uh, sure. his style of talk or the great Bruce Williams. You, got, you and I have talked oh, about yeah. Bruce Williams before, and yeah. I can do it in my head. Yes, welcome, my friends. Welcome to TalkNet. We talk through you, with you, about you, about your hopes, dreams, desires, about all those things that make you so incredibly special. Me, yeah, I'm Bruce. Like, does radio like that exist anymore, man? Well, it's tough because I will tell you one of the things back then that made a real big difference is a lot of those guys came out of music radio. Mm-hmm. So they knew how to talk up a song and they knew how to, to hook a song and they knew how to make that song mean something to you. And then many of them, like Rush, transitioned from music radio into talk radio and they did the same thing, but with a story. So now they're doing it with a news item and they know how to make that news item much like that song that you grew up with this news item that's important to you because you grew up with something like taxes or just whatever it is, you know, important to you, how to make it important to you. And they knew how to time it and hook it. And so that is, I'm sorry to say, not a lot of guys really know how to do that or girls know how to do that anymore. There are great talk hosts out there still uh, that can really do great conversational radio and podcasts, but the art of timing like those guys from the music industry used to have. It's not a lot of those out there anymore. Yeah. I've told you this. You you kind of touched on it. Yeah. I I grew up on, um, I grew up in the, in the backseat of a car with a radio genius named Gary Taylor, who, well, that's, that's, that was the professional name. He has a real name and he doesn't even like to be referred to as GT anymore. Uh, but I got the advantage of riding around with him is, is like, I view him as a second father and, and to hear a guy who, you know, helped start Dick Clark productions and worked at the Gavin reports and Capitol records and all over the industry to sit there and hear Gary say, boys, listen to this jock, listen to this 
this transition. Hear how he gets you into the break and you don't even know yes. you're going into the break. And listen to how he, yes. you know, he talks right up. I, I learned about, um, um, you know, talking right up to the lyrics, right? Right up to the post. Hit the post. Yep. And Hit that, the post. I, man, doing live radio, I still loved it. You know, I used to say uh, to my producers, give me something I can just nail the post, man. And the song I really know. Yeah. Um, how does Dana... Uh, how did how did she become as good as she is at? I refer to her as a clutter cutter. You listen to Dana or you watch her, and Dana will yeah. take a complex issue and um, and like just surgically say, "Hey, let me just pull out the important part here, and let's ignore all this other stuff. Let's get down to the tumor and, exactly. and forget the, the, the tissue surrounding." How did that? How did that? Is that innate with her? I, I've not known she, her very long. Well, it. Uh, no, there's the, she was a writer. She was a journalist, first and foremost. Uh, and so she knows how to break down a story and compartmentalize the important pieces of that story and then put them in an order. And one of the brilliant things that Dana does is, and a lot like you, you do the same thing, is the day before you're doing your prep and a lot of this is going into like your newsletter or your rundown and you just write out your thoughts. So she does her newsletter that goes out to all of her listeners and writes it the night before she does the radio show on it. And so she has mentally kind of written down her thoughts about this topic and thought it out and it's evolved and, and it's been organized and she comes up with all of her, her, her points that she thinks are really important to it. And so the next day when she goes to talk about it, it's just already there. It's in her head. Yeah. And she knows these issues so well anyway. But I would say for her, the big thing is that she was a journalist and she knows how to uh, itemize and and optimize a story so that it gets across to the listener and they know exactly why it's important to them. Yeah. And it's, she's, she's really good. And, you know, her just personality, she's just funny anyway. So, and it's, it, you know, another thing that's interesting about her is she is a huge, massive music fan. So we go back to that timing, you know, yeah. like, like you were just saying you love to do where you just hit the post. Yeah. So she's got that in her brain, just like you do, just like Rush did, just like Dick Clark did. So I saw him do. I, we needed him to read a commercial for, I forget, I forget what it was. Yeah. Uh, he was doing, I, I, I think, um, we were doing a show for somebody and it was their birthday or something like that. So we get him on the phone and he's like, Hey guys, what do you need me to do? And we're just like, well, we're going to be celebrating this person's birthday or whatever the event was. And I just need you to do, you know, say a little something like this, say a little something like this and give us about 60 seconds. He goes, okay. Uh, hold on one second. Yeah. All right. In three, Two, one, and boom, he ripped off 60 seconds of the most <laughs> beautiful content to that person whose birthday it was I'd ever heard. Yeah. He made it sound like a Casey Kasem long distance dedication. And then he finished it. And he goes, that good with you? Okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And he was gone. And yeah. I just like, that's a pro, man. Yeah. That's a pro. Yeah. And to see guys like that, just kind of see their brain work. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I had the great honor of having, um, I, I, we did a live event in Seattle many years ago. I still cherish the pictures of that at Daniel's Broiler, actually in Bellevue. And, mm -hmm. um, some colleagues set up the surprise. 
uh, my producer got in my ear and said, hey, we got a phone call. I go, hey, you know what? We're not doing phone calls this hour. And he said, no, no, you're going to want to take this phone call. <laughs> and I said, okay. And, um, you know, do I get a name? No, no, just say welcome to the Todd Herman Show. Okay, so um, uh, random caller, welcome to the Todd Herman Show. Todd, it's uh, Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> Yeah. And it was actually pre-recorded, but, and, and so I shut up because of course, Rush is not going to wait around to call me. He was so kind to do that. And I'll never forget the, <laughs> That's very uh, cool. for those who are listening, uh, understand that Todd is the most effective suck up, uh, in radio and so good at it. Uh, got so good at it. We let him host, which, uh, which he does a passable job. And, uh, <laughs> congratulations on seven years, not quite 28 on uh, national radio, but seriously, uh, we are honored to have you on EIB and your, your station is lucky to have you. We love KTTH, um, and happy anniversary, Todd. And That's man, fantastic. Rich, I was just in tears and, and I'll tell you this, this is a little inside scoop I got from the people close to Rush. Cause I, I did not know Rush well. Um, yeah. and, uh, the people close to Rush tell me, I don't know one of the things he did, uh, the day before he died. What was that? Show prep. Really? Rush had. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, he, when we wrapped up the show on Friday um, before Rush passed and went to the Lord, um, I remember I got a, I got a note. No, I got a, I got comment in my ear from EIB. Uh, hey, you know what? Uh, don't say anything, but Rush is going to be back Monday. And drove away, you know, got a call from uh, aforementioned Craig Kitchen. Todd, we're right. so thankful for your talents. And he's such a man, unbelievably kind gentleman. And, uh, you know, Rush is, is anxious to get back into the seat. And so when I, I was, I did my morning show and, you know, we did that from this studio and walking out and I was walking to my bedroom, get ready to go to the gym. And my wife said, oh, dear God, no, Rush, Todd. And then oh, no. my phone buzzed and it was a text from Craig Kitchen saying, can you please um, call me? I'm sure you're hearing the news. I'm sorry that, that this is how we decided to announce it. And that's when Craig said, would you do us the honor of coming in tomorrow? Mark is going to handle this today, but we want to do a, 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 you know, a memorial mm -hmm. for Rush tomorrow. Um, and I, Craig, you know, we were talking about that, that connection, Rich, um, on that day. I can tell you there was the weight of the emotion of the people in the studio because they loved the boss and you've probably heard how kind he was yeah. to his team. And I, when they're not yeah. my stories to tell their stories to tell, but I can tell you that he went above and beyond uh, kindness and generosity to those folks. They are to this moment, the second loyal to him of in and death. Um, and then the yes. audience, the heaviness, um, it was yeah. palpable. And I, and Craig said to me, I said, you know what? I can do this straight. I'll just swallow the emotion. And Craig said, no, no, I think it's okay to let it flow. Yeah. And for that first monologue, um, we all shed some tears, all of us. And that's the other thing that I think is so special about live radio, Rich, is those yes. moments like, um, you know, I, I don't want to take you too long. I know you're busy. Um, uh, but I can remember so many breaking news moments that that's that I guess that can happen on podcasting. Of course it can, but except it's not live so often. And that's the thing that I that of all things in radio, there's two things that I deeply miss. One is breaking news. And that's terrible because often it's bad news. 
And another is a segment I used to do on radio called a personal note where there was, I never had any idea what was going to leave my mouth ever. Oh, that's awesome. Right. And I, I'll do whole shows like that now as a podcast host. I'll just walk in and, and the Lord will speak to me. I'll open the mic and do a show. And, yeah. and that's not me. But um, do you remember those times, those breaking news times when you had to get it right and you're working as a I team? Was, I was on the microphone on September 11th from 5 a.m. until noon that day, normally till 10 a.m., 5 to 10 a.m. the morning show was on. And so at uh, 846, we were looking up the TV and I will never forget trying to describe what was going on and trying to get the information and trying to make sure it was right and trying to filter through everything that we just knew was wrong, yeah. not correct, not verifiable. Yeah. Uh, that was a day. That was a day. So yes, I definitely know that situation. That's yeah. And we've, you know, I, I think we've all lived through those, those, uh, if you've been in radio for any appreciable period of time, uh, you know, we've all yeah. lived through those and I'll tell you this, I'll wrap this up this way that we did, um, uh, you know, the San Bernardino shooting, you remember that, um, of course. Yep. Where we weren't allowed to check that lady's, uh, social, their, their social media accounts. And, uh, she said right. she was from a country in Pakistan or a city in Pakistan that has never existed. And, uh, right. That tragedy ensued. Um, I had been in contact with a brilliant hacker named the Jester, uh, who the Jester is neither a man or woman. We don't know. Uh, for OPSEC, um, no one knows. Well, I guess <laughs> Jester knows. Uh, one, one would presume, but today being today. You never know just, nowadays. Jester doesn't know. Maybe he's forgotten. <laughs> She's forgotten. Uh, but um, their, their laptop is in the spy museum in Washington, D.C. And the rumor is. Really? Yes. The rumor is that Jester was responsible um, for the event in the Iranian nuke, um, nuclear facility um, called yeah. Thunderstruck, where they that. hacked that system and they replaced everything with, with the song Thunderstruck by ACDC playing on loop for like 18 hours. Yes. And uh, I'd had him on the radio, only radio interviews ever done. And we had a really good, smart way of doing that with an OPSEC. We had an actor play him and I interviewed him on DM on Twitter and, you know, Rich, radio guy, That's awesome. hacker, he tracked, he knew who the shooters were 45 minutes before the FBI and the press. And he knew wow. where they'd been and he knew where they stayed. And he had some details on their history. And I was, uh, I, I'd gone from KTTH to the big news station, Cairo, because we did double shifts that day. It was such right. a big day. And I remember taking that to the news director. And the news director said, you have to be so careful with the way you present this, but this is fascinating. And here we are well, now back to tech, right? It, and there's the, here's the key there yeah. is that he doesn't have to play by any rules. The jester. He can do anything he wants yeah. to. Yeah. And, and, and when you've got unlimited rules, you know, where you go, I don't have to live by any rules. I can go hack anything or anybody yeah. I want to. And that's it opens yeah. a whole world up for you. Yeah, he though no, he would tell you that he did that through publicly available information. I also I got I used to get uh, I was getting threatened by a guy one day. Yeah, on KTTH, guy was oh we're going to threaten the advertisers, threaten you. And um, Jester was listening to the live stream and popped me a note. He said, "Hey, hang tight." So he's a fan. Oh, he, he was. Yeah, uh, we got okay. he he really got uh, upset with me when um, I you know, came around and, and uh, endorsed how the president Trump was governing, and that was that was the end of our friendship. But um, he sent me a note and said, "Hang tight." 
And he sent me a, a, a map, a, a thumbnail map of, hey, here's your boy. Uh, he lives here and he's working at a taco time. Like, oh, that I, so is badly, I so badly want to call him in the air. I so badly want to do that. But I did mention on the air, you know, well, um, hey, taco time's a great place. Great, great uh, fast food. And I wonder if anybody I know is working at taco time down in the south end, down by the first avenue. South I think Bridge. I might stop by there today after I go to the range. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh, man. Well, Rich, I, I took you along, and I'm going to figure out how to put a break in here so uh, we keep our business enterprise running together. Uh, again, um, I appreciate that. Thank you for uh, giving me the shots at National Radio. It's been a, a dream since I was just an, a little kid imitating Bruce Williams. And uh, yeah, you deserve it. I appreciate it, brother. Okay, go with God's good grace. Thank you, my sir, and you as well. And thank you for everything you do and uh, look forward to growing this thing bigger and bigger every, every month and every year. So thank you, buddy. Amen. And since we're doing it and we're looking back, um, got a note from a listener who remembers the first Todd Herman show they ever heard on KTTH and wrote me a very nice note about that. And it starts out by saying that they found me to be insufferably arrogant and rude. So when you are looking into a, a way to control your life, what, what are the levers that you have, right? Um, there is finance. We've talked about that. We talk about that a bit. There's sleep. We talk about that. And there's then what you put in your mouth. Now, biblically speaking, of course, you know, the, the Lord have made clear, we're not defiled necessarily by what we put in our mouth. I mean, in terms of food, um, but by what comes out. And we're also to view our bodies as temples. Now, soda weight loss is not, they may well be, you know, Christian people. In fact, I think they are, but they're not a religious company. And yet they are, rely so much on getting our bodies recalibrated to appreciate the foods that God made. And there's this reset period. There is. When I took off 150 pounds of unwanted fat, I ate a lot of convenience foods. Why? Because they are very, very controllable in terms of what they do to your blood sugar and your insulin. Okay. Now, this isn't about being diabetic. We all have blood sugar. We all have insulin. And they want to stop what are these... Um, glycemic index peaks. Now, I know I'm getting super geeky here, but when you have these peaks and valleys in your glycemic index and your blood sugar, your body ends up getting whacked out and it will say, man, we are in bad stead. We need to store fat. Now, this is why the steady, predictable, proven fat loss tactics of soda weight loss come into play. They will monitor with you, your, your nutritionist that you work with at Soda Weight Loss as you're going through the plan, as you're looking at the, at the cooking videos, taking the Christian medication or meditation courses and using those. They're going to be monitoring your body and when your body begins to adapt, saying, ooh, we better store more fat. They change things up. They stay ahead of that cycle. So if your body starts to panic, Oh, we're losing a lot of fat. They know how to shift gears. They stay ahead of it. How do I know this? Because they're that successful. That's what they do. That's why it works. And incidentally, that's why the fat stays off the body. Because they didn't put you into shock in order to get the fat to come off. 
7,000 Google reviews at 4.8 average out of uh, average 4.8 stars out of five possible proves the case. My loved ones prove the case. Podcast family members prove the case. People I've met who've taken off 150 pounds of unwanted fat prove the case and kept it off incidentally. SodaWeightLoss.com. S-O-T-A Weight Loss. Stands for state of the art. SodaWeightLoss.com. Uh, this is an email. I went back and started to look at emails that came in when we first started the podcast. And man, I uh, I apologize for missing, missing this one. This is a masterpiece. Um, Dear Todd, oh, from Michael, by the way, at Issaquah, Washington. Dear Todd, congratulations on the podcast and taking the show private. I made every effort to find your show, which is a little bit shocking because the first time I heard you on KTTH, I thought you were insufferably arrogant, rude, short-sighted, full of yourself, and angry. Somehow I decided to give you a second and third try, but I just found you to be the same sort of insufferable person. Then things fell into the deep side of the pool, COVID. And what I realized as I thought back was the things you were telling us from the very beginning were starting to come true. And I began to understand that it was I who was arrogant. I had misunderstood the way you were trying to communicate to us patterns and pattern recognition. And when you use those phrases, I found it so presumptuous as if you were placating us or trying to pat yourself on the back for being smart. When COVID occurred and the shutdowns occurred and everyone else was trying to make it all make sense, you were the first host I heard say, none of this makes sense because none of it should make sense. Please don't try to make it be logical. I began to listen more fervently and more regularly with you and started to bring family members into that. My wife is now a committed listener. She was greatly comforted by what you did in the mornings when the lockdowns began of going through the checklists of reality. And you'd later explain that that was from the Hunger Games and we watched those movies. I remember you talking about the Hunger Games and I thought it made you a lightweight pop culture fan. Now I understand that you were trying to communicate to me and I couldn't hear it through my own arrogance that we were being (laughs) herded down that path. Maybe you were arrogant, you were just getting back into radio, but what I hear now is a man who is taking great efforts to communicate not just the reality of things, the craziness of things, but to put God's word, as you say, at the center of that. I've owed you this apology for years. I apologize for my harsh judgment of you. Michael and Sue in Issaquah, Washington. Hey, Michael, Sue, thank you so much for the notes and thank you for following us to podcast. And I, I you know, ask that you follow us to national radio. And incidentally, Michael, uh, the reason that you thought I was arrogant is because I was arrogant. And the reason you thought I was rude is because I was rude. And the reason you found me insufferable is because I was insufferable. Because I had yet to be brought to my knees. Oh, I was brought to my knees. And I heard a quote from the great uh, Friedrich Bonhoeffer. 
who said that the, the, the church will never be great until the church begins to embrace suffering and to realize that suffering is a gift. Of course, Bonhoeffer was murdered by the Nazis. And what he meant by that was suffering is a form of cleansing. And uh, that was a radical cleanse. When there were Christians who went to their death because they would not deny Christ. That's pretty radical cleansing. It's not one that I want to go through in my lifetime, and yet we may. But there's another form of cleansing. And that's the one that the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit do with us. It's pruning. I'm going to take away some things for a while that aren't bearing fruit. I might not put them back. But the rest of your life is going to bear fruit. So you heard correctly. I was an arrogant, insufferable jerk. And I hope to be less of that. And I appreciate the note. From Carrie Ann, Dallas, Texas. Dear Todd, will the show that you're launching be airing in Dallas, Texas? Is there anything we can do to help? Love the show. Love that you put God at the center. Carrie Ann, thanks for the note. Uh, The biggest thing you can do to help is contact your local talk radio station. And tell them about the podcast. Tell them how often you listen. And let them know, hey, listen, I listen to the podcast when and, and it's, it's two hours or two hours and 20 minutes of time per day. I'm not listening to your radio station. I'm listening to this guy two hours and 20, uh, you know, two hours and 20 minutes per day. And I will tune into the weekend show if that's what you'll do, if that works for you. And that's the biggest way to do that. And be encouraging and, and be thoughtful. You know, it's a big decision to put on a radio show. So that's one of the ways you can help. And I appreciate that. From Luke, San Francisco, California. Todd, you once mentioned that you lived in San Francisco. That was a little bit of a mind blower. Can you tell me where and when that was? Uh, Luke, I lived in San Francisco. Let's see. That would have been 1988, 89 timeframe. And I lived uh, specifically in San Mateo, California. And it was Bizarreville. Uh, It was the first time I saw the PLO march. Uh, (laughs) I remember picking up a a newspaper from, you know, a free newspaper stand and opening it up and going, dear God in heaven, how can this be out in public? And I, I believe it was the first time that I began to get a grip on true depravity. Now, I'm not talking about, well, run of the mill non-traditional relationships. Let's say it that way to be polite. I'm talking about people who wanted to be belittled um, and and harmed and perhaps beaten. It was a bizarre, bizarre experience living in that town. Thanks for the notes, you guys. I appreciate that. Um, Since we're doing the old dame thing, I will tell you uh, the first ever appearance I made on radio first time as as a non-caller first time that ever happened to me how it came about and why god gives us these hints as to what he would like us to do with our lives got question um my brother Chris asked me a question the other day about a young alan and alan's artisan soaps and how's he doing he's doing fantastic you know, he just came through yet another surgery. Um, and this kid, he is unstoppable. 
Uh, his dad, John, sent me pictures of Alan. And here he is. Uh, he, he's at work. He is now uh, 12 years old. He is deeply impacted uh, by autism, dramatically so. And is in nonverbal till you get to know him. But here he is at his soap company. And he's cutting the tips off of these towels. And they look like smiles. And he's laid them out in front of himself. And he says that he's collecting smiles. Uh, it's not the towels. It's the, it's the little, uh, it's the, 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 uh, the rope that binds them. The twine that blinds, that binds them. This is a kid who, for any other human being, it would be depths of despair. But he has a soap company. And he's the chief soap officer. He doesn't just do quality control and packaging. He invents fragrances. The fragrance you're going to get from allensoaps.com slash Todd. You get 10% off everything there, by the way. You can use my name, Todd, at, at checkout, T-O-D-D. The scents, the fragrances you're going to experience come from the mind of a kid who other people would say his mind is broken. His mind is useless. It's not useless. It's filled with memories. It's filled with moments of significance. He wants to share that beauty with you. He is nonverbal, but he is not non-inventive. Try the soaps. If you don't love them, don't buy them again. But if you love them, then support a company that proves every single day you better believe all lives matter. Allensoaps.com slash Todd. You know what? I don't even think this guy remembers this. I don't even think um, this guy remembers this. In fact, if I were to take, if I were to take back my my fascination with broadcasting and when this happens, you know when this actually my first public appearance. You know, uh, Rich and I talked about me doing um, Abbott and Costello in fourth grade with Patty. Now I can't remember Patty's last name anymore. That's a shame. I used to remember her last name. Um, it was at. The Fairground Speedway in Spokane, Washington. <laughs> this was, I was going to say the first time I was on radio, but no, the, the first time professionally behind the mic, a gentleman named Chuck Little owned that uh, racetrack. And Chuck was the father of a friend of mine. And Chuck's son, Chad, was a legendary local racer uh, and, and running back and fiendishly good looking. And everybody, all the guys hated Chad and all the women wanted to date him. I'm kidding. Chad was a very nice, very nice guy. And his dad asked me, the, the announcer couldn't come. And my friend came and said, Hey, my dad wants to know if you want to do the announcing. I was in junior high, maybe. No, I was in junior high. Probably we were getting ready for football in high school. So I was probably in ninth grade. And sure. Let's see, this is freakish. One of the things that God will give you in terms of understanding your gifts and how he's gifted you is things that might scare others don't scare you. Like, hey, put a spreadsheet in front of me. I still freeze up. You know, I developed all these tricks at Microsoft uh, to, to be math literate. I read a book called Innumeracy. And it, made, it gave me the ability to do quick mental math and to appear really conversant with spreadsheets, but they still freak me out. You put a spreadsheet in front of me and my, my chest gets tight and my throat constricts a little bit and I go back through those little exercises I used to do. I just, I have math trauma. But you put a microphone in front of me. Okay, cool, let's do this. I think God gives you these signs. 
You know, you think of people who run in the burning buildings or like Gene Hackman says uh, in the movie Unforgiven after he's trying to show a guy how to be in a gunfight and the guy's hand is shaking and he's sweating and Gene Hackman says, ha, hot, ain't it? Yep, getting a gun pointed at him will just, just flat rattle some folks, but not Gene Hackman. So this opportunity occurred and I walked upstairs, came into the announcing booth and the women... And it was women who did the scoring roll up there. And, you know, there's chaos on the racetrack. The cars go around and one car can, multiple cars can be lapping the field. And so you're not, it's not as clean as you would think in terms of counting who's in first place. And yet then you have to count who completed the most laps. You know, if, if like the, the, the leaders lap in a 50 lap race, lap the, the field three times and the, the race for many of the races is only 47 laps long, et cetera. So I walk up and I said, I'm doing the announcing. And their faces are like, well, you're, you're a kid. And I knew the bit, man. I knew how this guy used to do the races. Uh, I knew how he used to joke. I knew what he called the racers. Now, I eventually came up with my own nicknames. I, I, I had it memorized because I'd been going to the races since I was an infant. And then came the day. <laughs> I'll never forget this day. Uh, I grew into the role and I was getting paid to do it, man. I was getting a paycheck for watching the races and talking about it and doing this with adults in the stands. And by the way, I was getting uh, free popcorn and soda pop and pizza pie and all that. Or they didn't have pizza, they had hamburgers. And then the faithful day came. <laughs> And the lady came up to me and said, hey, we are, um, we've got a bunch of extra beer, so we're running a special. And I don't remember, you know, gosh, back in the day, it was like a penny of beer. I don't know. But we're running a special, so will you, uh, you, you know, push the beer down at the convenience, you know, down at the, uh, the concessions? Sure. So she, she distributed some beers up there. Again, I'm in ninth grade. And so we get to a break between races Coming up as a main event, open-wheeled camera cars. Monty Zima right now in the points lead for the season, but sneaking up behind the always capable Blaine Sneva. Sneva will start slightly ahead of Monty in this race. We're going to have Monty Zima come up here and talk with us about what he expects in the race. And let me tell you this, that right now there's a special on delicious cold Budweiser beer, normally a buck seventy-five per cup. Right now it's only a dollar, and when I said fresh and cool it absolutely is because i'm enjoying some now <laughs> yep you got it everybody in the stand everybody in the stands turned around and looked at me and the person most amazed was my father sitting down to my right in the same spot where he always sat Wearing the same white pants that he always wore, his pit crew pants. Same orange shirt for his favorite race car driver. Next to him, my sister and my cousin. (laughs) It wasn't even radio. Incidentally, I don't drink beer anymore. Much is the pity, I guess. Hey, this is the Todd Herman Show. Thank you for everything you've done for us. And do help us launch this show. And please go be well. Be strong. Be kind, and will you just please join me? Father God, thank you for the blessings that you've bestowed upon this program, upon this team. Thank you for the partnership with Radio America and Rich and Michael and Jennifer and that team. Father God, just we are so, so, so awed by your greatness.